0: Have you ever been stuck in a cycle of restlessness? It's that maybe on your phone or your laptop at that, it's that moment where you're jumping from one tab to the next, maybe you got six things open and you're, you're bored and anxious all at the same time. You're bored and constantly searching for something else. You're discontent, or maybe you're just uncertain. The worst thing that I found you can do in those moments is go to Amazon. Amazon like is a spiral of restlessness for me because you search and what happens thousands of options come up. Actually, Amazon has more than 353 million products that it sells. Can you imagine that? I don't know if you've been there the last time you were on Amazon. If you're anything like me, maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was this morning, but it seems like we're getting a package to our door at least once or twice a week. And what I've discovered is that I search on Amazon. I get thousands of options and I spend hours researching, comparing, reading reviews from millions of people I've never even met in my life, and I'll buy something. It'll come, and I hold up this product, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, is this really going to hold up? Is this good enough? You know, Does it meet what I needed? And all of a sudden, I've got that sense of discontent again. What do I do? I return it, and then I enter the process again. It's kind of this cycle of restlessness where nothing seems good Where it seems like no matter what we're doing, we're searching and pulling for something else to kind of fill that time, fill our interest, grab our attention or meet a need. What if we could end that sense of restlessness? Yeah, it's not just with products, but it's with people also. You've been in that type of relationship where all of a sudden you're just feeling restless and you start questioning, am I with the right person? Is this person engaging enough? Is this is this going to be my lifelong person? And you start looking. Restlessness is devastating, but what if we could find a way to overcome a restlessness? One thing that I've discovered for Amazon, at least, is it makes a world of difference when I go to Amazon with a brand in mind, when I'm loyal to a brand, when I know exactly what I'm looking for, when I'm faithful to something, I go to Amazon, I type that in and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Four minutes later, it's at my door. It's amazing because there's no restlessness. There's no anxiety around the purchase. That's what we're talking today. How can we end our restlessness? We're in a series talking about how the Psalms inform our relationship with God. And today's Psalm, Psalm 95, gives us a remedy for our restlessness. It tells us that our faithfulness ends our restlessness, just like Amazon. When we're loyal to a brand and we go there, we know what we're going for and we know the need it's going to meet. So we're going to go to Psalm 95 today and discover what the psalmist, the author of our psalm, wants us to understand about faithfulness. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hand formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock, under his care. Now, this psalm is just filled with worship language. You know, it's talking about coming and worshiping, bowing down, lifting up song, lifting up a shout of thanksgiving. And really what he's getting down to is this idea that our worship signifies our loyalties. It just, it, it reveals who we're faithful to. What we worship reveals what we're faithful to. And he's challenging us, challenging me, that I need to be faithful to God. Now, The ancient Near East was very much like Amazon. Every people group, every nation, every tribe had their own God. You could look out over the landscape and there'd be thousands of options. The psalmist is saying, I'm going to clear all that up for you. There's a lot of options out there, but if you're faithful to this one God, it changes everything. Why is that? He goes into verse five, the sea is his, he made it. The depths of the earth are his. No one else can search them but him. Verse 3, the Lord is the great God, the king above all gods. What he's saying is that this God, Yahweh, is the greatest. He was there from the beginning of creation, and so he's first and foremost. He's like the original. He's the one that you can go to above all other gods that will help end your restlessness. He understands that when we're loyal, when we're faithful to God, it actually changes our perspective and our focus on life. It reorients our priorities and our purpose. That faithfulness changes everything. We do a premarital assessment here at Grace, and we've had the opportunity to take more than 150 couples through this premarital assessment. And first couple pages, it talks about our mindset towards marriage. And there's five different mindsets. There's the resolute mindset, the romantic mindset, the rational mindset, the restless mindset, and the reluctant mindset. Now, they polled thousands of people between the ages of 18 and 30. 22% of them fall in the restless mindset. They have a low commitment, a lo- low drive to get married. They're very restless about it. They're, they wanna keep their options open. And their biggest fear is, Loss of independence. They fear losing that independence, that, that kind of focus about, hey, it's about me. I am priority right now. And I want the freedom to do what I want when I want. Their biggest challenge is they are faithful to themselves. They have an allegiance to themselves first and foremost. And what Psalm 95 is saying, we need to change that allegiance. We need to move away from this me allegiance to a God allegiance. We need to become faithful to God and put aside our own independence. When we do that, our lives begin to change and begin to take root in a powerful and life-changing way. Now, women, I'm sorry to say this, but 70% of those are males. 70% of those, 22% that are restless are males. I'm sorry about that. You know, I, I had some of that beginning of my own life. This need to put aside our own independence doesn't come naturally. But when we do, the psalmist says there is amazing life change that takes place. There's one other thing in this passage that I think is powerful. So we, we need to identify our faithfulness. Who are we faithful to and why? Are we faithful to ourselves or are we faithful to God? And then the psalmist says, okay, it's not enough to know who you want to be faithful to. You actually need to lean in. To build our faithfulness and to grow in our faithfulness, we need to lean into that relationship. Do you know how many hours on average people spend in meetings in the workplace? On average, 21 and a half hours a week in meetings. And if you're working 60 hours more, or maybe you're a higher level professional, you're up to 38 and a half hours a week in meetings. Can you imagine that? And we've all been there around this table with a bunch of people and, you know, 15 minutes in, you're looking around, and you can see that one coworker who's just They're slouched down, the eyes have glazed over, maybe they're reaching for that third cup of coffee, they're doodling, they're scribbling, whatever it is, they're completely checked out, right? Completely checked out. And then one agenda item comes up. One comment is made, and what happens? It grips their attention. They sit up straight, they lean in. Why? Because they have an invested interest in what was just said. The psalmist does the same thing. Psalm 95, he tells us in verse 6 to come and bow down and worship. That command in the Old Testament is very unique. Not very often are we commanded to bow down and worship God. The psalmist is saying, for us to be invested, for us to find our faithfulness and to see that faithfulness in God grow, there not only has to be a heart change, there has to be a posture change. It's a very physical act. And so what happens in these meetings, when somebody says something that grabs someone's attention, they lean in a little bit, right? That's what the psalmist is saying. If you want to grow your faithfulness to God and see your life change and see it end our restlessness, we need to lean into God. It's not enough to to just know all the right answers and, and to think all the right things. We actually have to lean in. It's a posture shift. We have to be interested. We have to be intrigued by it. We have to dig into it. We have to invest ourselves in it. If faithfulness is ever going to end our restlessness, we have to lean in. Not just during the good times, but actually in some of the most challenging times of disappointment and frustration. is to lean in. Most of the time you and I, when we hit those challenging times with God, the first thing we want to do is pull back. But the psalmist says we have to lean in. There has to be a posture change that takes place. Now, there's only one other thing to faithfulness that I want to talk about. Not only do we have to lean in, but we have to live out. Leaning in reflects a mental and volitional change. Not only our mind changes, but our posture changes. Now, we're also told in Psalm 95, it's not enough to lean in. We have to begin to live it out. And he gives an amazing picture of Israel's failure to do this. And I believe it shaped my understanding of what it means to be faithful, both to lean in and live out. Let's look at the rest of Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at the day of Massah in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I had done. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose heart goes astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. In this passage, it's challenging when you read it, you know, this idea that Israel tested and tried and And it angered God. And because of that, they weren't able to enter into God's rest. And we'll talk about the anger in just a moment. But I want to talk about how Israel lived this out. See, the psalmist is drawn on Israel's history. They had been in Egypt. They've been slaves in Egypt. And God does something amazing. He says, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to overturn Egypt and and overturn all the gods of Egypt. And I'm going to bring you out into a place of my rest trust me and follow me because I have an amazing plan for you. And what Israel does is they hit some challenging times in the wilderness. They're trying to follow God. They're trying to get to this place of rest, but they're they're refusing to hear God's voice and they're testing him and they're trying Him, and they're pushing the boundaries with God. The testing and trying that's described here at Meribah and Massah, they're two different incidences in the wilderness. is not just testing to see if God is faithful. It's actually testing the boundaries to see how much they can get away with. They were pushing their luck, if you will. We were at um, a scouting trip camp out about three or four weeks ago at Lake Fairfax. And I'm one of the scout leaders. And me and two other leaders decided to take this group of about 20 kids down to the water. They, you know, elementary age, they're between kindergarten and fourth grade. And so we get down to the water and we lay out the rules. We say, okay, we're going to have a leader in the front, leader back, leader in the middle. We want all the kids to stay together. We don't want to lose any kids. We want everybody to stay on the path. And if there's something cool off the path, let us know. We'll take a side trip. We'll discover. We'll explore. Whatever it is. But you got to let us know. You got to stay on the path. We laid it all out. And we had this one kid, maybe you know a kid like this, who chose not to hear all the instructions, or maybe they heard the instructions, but they chose to push the boundaries of those instructions. And so we're walking along Lake Fairfax, and there's a path that goes all the way around. We're we're making our way around. The water level's kind of low. And so this one fourth grader, pushing his luck, says, I'm going to jump off this path, I'm going to go down to the water, and I'm going to throw something in it. And he steps out into a spot that looks fairly solid. It looks a little muddy, but it looks solid. Except it wasn't. He steps in, and and before he knows it, he's knee-deep in muck. The water level had receded, and he just found a weak spot and was just knee-deep in mud. And all of a sudden, you know, he loses his balance, falls backwards, and is kind of wallowing around in this mud. His arms are going everywhere, trying to pull himself out. And he has that moment. You know, he's kind of laughing, but he's also kind of scared of the reaction. And he calls out for help. And being the good scout leader, a good Christian guy that I am, I just decided to keep walking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was the closest one to him. So I start venturing down. I do what you'd see in the movies. You know, I grab this long stick. I don't want to get muddy. This fourth grader made a, a bad decision. I don't want to suffer for his decision. So I get the long stick and I reach out and I start trying to pull. You know, the stick doesn't do it. He's a knee deep in mud. And so I get a little bit further out. I'm starting to get muddy at this point. And I just grab an arm and I just pull with everything. I mean, I re- really thought his arm was going to come off before he came out of the mud. He was stuck in there. We had to go back and fish out his two shoes. He was so stuck in the mud. We got the boy out. The shoes stayed in the mud. We finally got him out. We got the shoes out. It was not a pleasant way to start the camping trip. His parents were less than excited that he had made this decision to push the boundaries. That's what Israel's doing. They had heard the instructions. They had seen kind of the way that life should work, how following God should work. And they said, okay, I'm going to push the boundaries. And they found themselves stuck. Just like this fourth grader, stuck. I don't know about you, but I've been there feeling stuck, feeling restless, bored and anxious all at the same time. Wondering, okay, what can I do next? And I end up pushing the boundaries with God. Choose his own path. Israel chose their own path. And because of that, they did not enter into God's rest. Now, there's uh, a line in here that God was angry with that generation. And the anger here is used throughout the Old Testament. And it talks a lot about this relationship that is broken. It's not just, I'm angry at you. It's actually realizing that somebody has done something to hurt the relationship, and that angers me. If you've ever been in a relationship where somebody was not faithful, or did something harmful or abusive, there's an anger that rises up. There's hurt, there's pain. And actually, the word here can also be used in terms of grief. God was grieved. And because Israel chose their own path, they couldn't enter God's rest. Here's what happens oftentimes. When we don't hear God's voice, we don't live out God's best. And we don't enter God's rest. We just don't. We miss out on God's rest. Actually, one commentator translates these verses as, they robbed themselves of God's rest. I do that all the time. I know what I should be doing, but I fail to live it out. And that's why faithfulness requires this leaning in and living out. It's both. It's not just a mental affirmation of kind of the key things of Christianity that changes our lives. It's actually that decision to live it out. When we're not faithfully leaning in and living out God's ways, we do not enter his rest. If we're not leaning in and living out, faithfulness never ends our restlessness. See, restlessness and faithfulness pull in two different directions. They're constantly pulling at us in two different directions. Restlessness causes us to pull away. Faithfulness causes us to lean in. Restlessness causes us to shut down, and faithfulness causes us to live out. Leaning in and living out are the key ingredients to faithfulness. And Psalm 95 talks about us entering into God's pasture, a place where He cares for us. And that image of pasture is really a place of rest. Israel denied themselves of that rest by following their own path, by refusing to hear God's voice. Now, there's one other ingredient to faithfulness that is essential. It's essential. See, Israel is called to enter into God's rest and to dwell there. It's not enough to just check it out, to stop in momentary and be like, oh, this is cool, and then move on. That's restlessness. That's actually the epitome of restlessness. To say, okay, I'm going to see this, and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. To, to experience rest, we need to dwell there. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says this, We want each of you to be faithful to the very end. If you are, then what you hope for will fully happen. We don't want you to slow down. Instead, be like those who have faith and are patient. They will receive what God has promised. They will receive God's rest. Faithful to the end—that's the key that Israel missed. They were not faithful to the end. They gave up too soon. They became restless. I do that so often in my own journey. I see so many people around me doing that, where they commit to something, they 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 go all in, only to bail, only to give up too soon. Eugene Peterson has an amazing book. I'm uh, mostly through the book, but the premise of it is that following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a decision to walk his path for the duration of one's life. It's not enough to jump on and off the path occasionally. We'll never experience the end to our restlessness if we're, we're not loyal or faithful to following Jesus, just like Amazon. There's too many other options out there that distract us and pull us in too many directions. But if we remain committed, the long obedience in the same direction, committed to the duration of our life, that's when our relationship with God deepens. We know that. All healthy relationships require faithfulness. They require faithfulness. Actually, the depth of our relationship is contingent upon the depth of our faithfulness. You don't even experience the richness of the other person in a relationship until you're fully committed to them, leaning in to who they are, and living out your love for them. Only when you do that does your life take on new shape and new meaning. It's the same with God. See, no one calls you faithful if you stick it out for a week. Like Nobody's like, oh man, he was so faithful to that marriage until week two when he just found another woman. Nobody does that. Nobody talks about faithfulness in those terms. Same with sports or a hobby or or an educational interest. If you commit to it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, even five years, and then you just completely walk away, no one calls you faithful at the end of the day. It was a momentary interest. We know we are faithful when we are faithful to the very end. And our relationship with God will never be what it's meant to be. You will never end your restlessness until you're fully faithful to the end, through the ups and downs, through the challenges, through the frustrations. Again, the tendency is when we hit those times to pull back, to shut down. But actually our faithfulness grows when we lean in and live out, even in the midst of our pain and our struggle. Like so many over the past two years, my anxiety and restlessness have kind of peaked up. I've never considered myself an anxious person or a kind of a restless person. But for some reason, the past two years has really ticked that up for me. It's like I keep going to Amazon, overwhelmed by the options, overwhelmed with all the things that are surrounding me. I'm bored and anxious at the same time. I have all this stuff at my disposal, but yet I'm I'm less content than ever before. And over the past six months, I've been challenged to lean into this, to not run from the feelings, the emotions, the experiences, the restlessness, and the anxiety, not to run from, but actually to lean into it to experience it, to talk about it, to, to name what it is and to identify those moments. And as I've intentionally leaned into them, I've begun to hear God's voice. That was the problem Israel had. They chose not to hear God's voice because they were always on the run. They were looking for the next thing. They were restless. But by leaning in, I began to hear God's voice and began to not only hear it, because I've been a Christian for almost 24 years. Not only hear it, as in this mental affirmation, but taking on a change of living it out. That's where I've begun to experience rest for my mind, what I've longed for. When I've leaned in, and I've asked God to reveal who he is and who I am. That changes my whole perspective. Not only that, it helps me understand why I do what I do. And when I understand that, then I have power to change my actions. I have power to live out what I have been called to live out. And when I do that, it ends my restlessness. It anchors every other decision around me. It orients every other priority for me. And it changes and deepens my relationship with God. If you're not experiencing that rest, if you're feeling restless, overwhelmed, and anxious, I want to ask you, where is your faithfulness? What are you being faithful to? Are you leaning into God? Are you interested? Are you captivated by him? Are you pursuing him beyond just an hour on a Sunday morning? Is he part of the rhythm of your life? And if you're not experiencing that faithfulness, maybe you're not living it out. Maybe there's things that you know you've been called to do, to change, to put aside a path that you've been called to walk, but you're refusing to live it out because you're unsure of the options. We are unsure of God's faithfulness to you. I want to challenge you. Faithfulness to God will end our restlessness only in as much as we lean into him and begin to live out what he is calling us to. Where are you most restless today? When Israel questioned God's faithfulness, they became restless. And that happens to so many of us. When we feel like life just isn't going the way that we wanted or planned, we become more restless. Where have you been restless? Well, today we're going to take communion because communion is an amazing picture of God's faithfulness. It's something that everything else revolves around. We can be faithful to him because he's been first and foremost faithful to us. And not only that, he has been incredibly faithful to his mission and plan for all of creation. That's what Psalm 95 talks about. From the beginning of creation, he is the God above all others. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of that, we can fully commit, we can fully lean in and live out his ways. And by doing that, it ends our restlessness. Communion is that picture. Communion is, is an image of Jesus' faithfulness, even to the point of death. In the face of adversity, finding rest in God's plan for his life and his love for you. His faithfulness clarified everything else. Despite facing death, he was able to lean in and live out immense amount of love for you and I. And that's why we celebrate communion. Part of the reason why we want to do this today is an act, an intentional decision to lean into who God is, to examine our own souls and say, God, where have I been questioning you? Where have I been restless? Help me, as Jesus was, so faithful to be faithful to you. May communion stand as that symbol today. In communion, we celebrate his body and his blood. With bread and juice, there's symbols that represent his faithfulness even to death in the face of adversity and betrayal. As we take these things into ourselves, we are taking into ourselves his faithfulness, which enables us and empowers us to be faithful to him. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11 as is tradition in the church talks about that last night before he was betrayed. Paul writes this and he says, I received from the Lord and I also pass on to you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do in remembrance of me. Let us eat that together. Taking Jesus's faithfulness into our lives that we might be faithful to him. In the same way, after his supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood, the promise. That covenant is about his faithfulness to us, even to the point of death. He says, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, his faithfulness until he comes. Let us drink together. Pray with me. Father, God, we are so grateful for your faithfulness. We thank you for the faithfulness of Jesus Christ who gave himself up for us, who in the midst of adversity and calamity and challenges remained faithful. Help us, Lord, that we might be faithful to you and that leaning in and living out your ways might end our restlessness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.